How are you doing, Nicholas? Very well, Nicholas. How are you? I'm okay. We're back in the studio. We are. We are. What have we got in front of us tonight? We have a Smidge Wines Uno Momento uh, 2017 Montepulciano. Ooh. Try saying that after two glasses of Montepulciano. I don't think I want to. No, let's not do that. No, no. Um, I like the name, Uno Momento. Uno Momento. I really do. Um, Reason being, I'm not sure if you picked up on this, I'm actually... I remember sending you a message the other night when I was tasting this at home and saying, mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see what you say because yeah. coming out of the bottle, it was really, really tight. It really was. It was, it was so tight. I was like, well, surely that can't be all. No. I, d- I didn't know what to make of it. No, um, no. I was, I, it confused me and yeah. it was like, well, I know that Matt is an incredibly talented winemaker and yeah. other winemakers revere him and what he's doing with wine. And I was tasting it going, Really? Is that what all the fuss is about? But then, then I remembered the name and Uno Momento, and I took a minute, let it open up in the glass, and oh my goodness, yeah, what uh, a different wine. It's completely different. Yeah. Completely different. And it really is. Really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It's um, uh, Montepulciano's Confession Time. It's one of my favorite varietals. I, I'm actually, I think I'm a little bit more of an Italian varietal, an Italian style of wine. Is is where my palate leans to, right? Okay. Um, rather than the um, the big Bordeaux's. Well, but, there are, uh, there's a lot of Italian grapes grown in South Australia, but, and that might be part of that. Well, it's also because the climate here is pretty much identical to Tuscany. Yeah. Um, we're very lucky that realistically, as far as uh, lines of latitude, mm-hmm. um, where they are in the north is pretty much where we are in the south. And so... I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's true, which is why we actually celebrate such similar climates and Italian grapes go so well in Australia. This because, has turned into a geography podcast. Well, there you go. Okay, yeah. Excellent. I, wonder, I wonder what you're kind of getting on the nose, what you're getting on the palate with this wine. Mm, now, okay. that, now that it's been breathing now for a little bit. Now it's been breathing and it's been opened up. Well, you have a, you have a whiff and you have a taste and okay. then I will do exactly the same thing. Because mm-hmm. it's, I would say on the nose, it's it's still quite gentle mm-hmm. on the nose. Maybe some kind of sour cherries, some plums. And strangely enough, when when I drink it, that's kind of what I'm getting on the palate as well. See, on the nose, I get a little bit, just like a little hint of spice, like a, like some star anise and, okay. and clove. Yeah. Um, not a lot, but it's definitely there. Um on the taste, I love the tannin structure yeah. of this because it's front and top yep. and side palette, it, but the, the, there's not a lot of lingering tannin in there. No. I'd love to talk to Matt about how nice. he's actually made it and how long it's spent in yeah. the barrel and so it's, on. It's quite full-bodied. But um, absolutely, it's um, – mm. It's a. would you say it's a it's difficult really nice. one to pair? Um. Yes, I think <laughs> I think I think you but can I generally get it, say that about every wine. But I think you can get it wrong very I easily. Could, I think you can get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember I, I sent Matt a message the other day and went after I tasted it and said, loved it. Gave him the feedback on the breathing and so on and said I could see us losing an afternoon with two bottles of this, some manchego cheese and some jamón serrano. Mm. And uh, he was like, that sounds like a really good plan. Let's do it. Am, so, I, am I invited to this little? Soiree um, that you're you're holding? That could get awkward. I don't know. Well, well maybe. Right. 
let's play your cards right tonight and we'll see oh, how what we have go. I got to do tonight? Well... No, let's not go into that. Okay, yeah. Well, let's move, yeah, let's move sure. on Moving there. Moving on. I don't know. I was, I was thinking perhaps if... It depends what, what the kind of stuff you cook at home or whether you get takeaway. And I reckon this will be really good with a pepperoni pizza. That sounds silly. No, no, no. But look, I stand I, by it. I completely agree. The, um, the buzz bomb at Lost in a Forest would be perfect with this. Lost in a Forest. little hint of uh, chili honey on the top of the fennel suppressor. We're going to Lost in a Forest very soon or oh, next month. Fabulous. Uh, with my parents. When Excellent. Right. I, Excellent. Think, I think possibly mm-hmm. some osobuco would go well with this. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Oh, you're not quite sure about that one. Um, no, I, I'm not too sure whether it needs the richness. Mm. Um, I don't think it needs that. I think it's, it's actually lighter than. I mean, it's full bodied, but it's still light. Okay, if that makes sense. So you think all of the kind of the marrow bone and all of that might. I'm sorry, the marrow mm. might, and the richness of that. Might, yeah, might I be think, a bit too much. Well, I just when when I'm flavour matching um, dishes. I generally look for contrasting and complementary rather mm-hmm. than competitive. Well, that's what—that's the idea, isn't it? And um, and I think that with the addition of like the richness of marrow in the tomato sugo and that you sort of thing, might. might start becoming a bit of a competition. And when it becomes a competition, there's always a loser. That's um, true. And I don't really think that this. I, I think the wine would hold up, but I just don't think that it would actually be. A happy pairing. No, it wouldn't be a joyous. Wouldn't be a joyous occasion. Thing, no, no, absolutely. I, I stand corrected on that, but I will be. I'll be very interested to see what Matt says. Absolutely about that kind of thing. I, I hear through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. The grapevine. I didn't do that on purpose. Pun intended. It was. It was not intended. Oh rubbish. Uh, that yeah, you know Matt from old. I do. Matt and I go a long way back, but there's been a very, very big gap. Right. Okay. Um, in us uh, knowing one I mean, another. Yes. Back when I was a second-year apprentice, I think. Wow, back in the days of black and white and horse-drawn carriages. Yeah, yeah, when, when dinosaurs still roamed the earth. Goodness. And yeah, yeah, there was all those things, and we made fire with sticks. Mm. Um, no, back when I was a second-year apprentice, but he and I worked at the same cafe. It no longer exists, but if anybody remembers King William Road in the 90s, you would remember a cafe called Cafe Picante. Oh. Now, it was your... Um, upmarket pizza, pasta, grill sort right. of. Um, yep. okay. Actually, no, it was pizza, pasta, and antipasto um, mm-hmm. and gelati. But uh, we sold a lot of wine there. Um, and uh, Matt was one of the front of house supervisors, and I was the second year apprentice in the kitchen. You were the guy doing the washing up. I was, yeah. well, a lot of it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> amongst other things, we I had to pit the olives by hand and um, okay, well, debone the sardines and yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. You know, that's that's where you do. Well, start. Hey, we're speaking about your past, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm very aware that in episode one, I think it was, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about me, and then we just didn't talk about you. Oh, well, and I, I've I've heard from 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 mutual friends that there's been you know the occasional weep quiet weeping in the corner. Because no one's interested in, in in you, but we are interested in you, Nicholas. <laughs> oh, so, bless. if you could just mm-hmm. give us a little bit of background of of you and what you've done up to this point in the kind of the food and wine industry, and and how you find yourself in this room. Absolutely, sure. Um, well, look, I've been a chef for thirty years. Um, I started out as a dishy at the Allgate Pub mm-hmm. um, when I was finishing off high school because I wanted to take girls out on dates and needed money. Yep. So I applied for a job, and when I uh, when they had the little position applied for on the application form, I wrote the word anything. 
that caught the manager's eye and he said, <laughs> would you do dishes? And oh, I'm I can, like, I can exploit you? this guy. He was like, will you do dishes? And I'm like, will you pay me? And uh, that's pretty much how my career in kitchen started. Um, fast forward to Cafe Picante when yeah, I was a second year apprentice. So that was about four years later because um, I was a dishy for a good 18 months. Um, I met Matt and um, a host of other really cool people at Picante and uh, about halfway through my time there, they were changing the wine list. Mm-hmm. And that was when I first got taught how to taste wine properly okay. and what you look for. And a lot of it is subjective and down to what you feel yourself about it. And really the most important thing is whether you like it or not. Yeah. But um, how, do, how, So how old were you at this point? At that stage, I was 19. Oh, that's... That's yeah. quite early to be doing to to be under trying to understand the world of wine. Well, I I knew that as a chef, it was something that going forward I was going to have to know. Yeah. Um. And so I kind of made, I took full advantage of the resource that was available to me. Um. Again, fast forward to Hayman Island when I was there in the late nineties, and I was lucky enough to sit in on a Grange recorking seminar where they took on Hayman they owned every vintage of Grange. And every year, the um, somebody from the winery would come up, open the bottles, taste it to make sure it hadn't turned, and then add a little bit of latest vintage to it to top it up and nice. recork it. Um, as a result, when the guys that are actually really good at it came through and had finished tasting, everything on the table was available for you to taste. And so I actually got to try every job. vintage of Grange. Mate. Wow. Yeah. That was an experience. Jealous. Um, it was then I also befriended some sommeliers as well. And when you befriend a sommelier, all of a sudden you really start understanding the difference between good wine, rubbish wine, mm-hmm. and spectacular wine. Yeah. And you also begin to understand that price is not always the driver in that. No. Um, fast forward to now had a conversation with the master of base out the back here um, in oh, January of this year saying, would you be interested in recording a podcast? And he said, absolutely I would. At that stage, he was saying yes and then working out how. Um, and lo and behold, here we are. Here we are here. Yeah. So that's that's me in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Not, it's, it's good because, you know, I got to chat a little bit about myself. Yeah. But that's, that, so we didn't hear anything about you. No, well, now we have. And now we have, and yeah. it's, it's, more, it's, it's complete. We've... It's complete. So now, for all of our listeners, they can actually work out who the hell we actually are, mm. um, and that there's one of us that knows what they're talking about, and then there's me. I think, um, I think perhaps you've got that the wrong way around. No, no, no. You see, being the, uh, being the enthusiast that you are, Nick, I think you've actually probably drunk a lot more wine than me. I think I probably have. There's no probably in it. I have. No, yeah, definitely, wine. definitely. And not just today. No. No, but um, look, I am really looking forward to catching up with Matt. We've um, we've bumped into each other in passing quite a lot um, over the years where he's been selling wine and I've been running restaurants and so yeah. on and so forth. Um, it'll actually be great to pick his brain. Hmm. Oh, he's going to be here very shortly. He will be here very shortly, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he's got to say. That'd be great. Fantastic. <laughs> We are here with Matt Wenk from Smidge Wines. Now, full disclosure, Matt and I go quite a ways back. We um, we used to terrorise King William Road Hyde Park in the 90s um, at Cafe Picante. Yes. Um, and uh, I think I described it to our listeners before that there has been a large gap 
in our um, familiarity with one another, but we've seen each other zipping in and out of restaurants while you've been selling wine and I've been running kitchens and so on, but we've never actually managed to catch up again. So it's actually fantastic to have you here. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me, Nick and Nick. So, Matt, we're drinking the Ornamento Montepulciano from the McLaren Vale. Tell us the story. What's... Okay, um... I started, I might as well go way back a little bit, uh, 2002 was when Smidge started as such and uh, over the years I've been working for other people but had this on the side and over the time, over the years, more varietals were sort of brought into the portfolio and mm-hmm. got up to a point I was working in the Brossa for 11 years and I'd, uh, I suppose, hit a, a point there that I'd achieved what I could up there in the Brossa and... Smidge was growing itself and my kids are growing up so I had to make a decision of where I was going to go and my wife and I have had vineyards down in McLaren Vale for a number of years um, of our own and I've always lived in Adelaide and Barossa was a little bit further away so I made a decision to focus on our own business and uh, see how we go. That was six years ago and over the years, over those six years, I've always thought to myself, I really, or being based in McLaren Vale, I really need to... I probably introduce some more McLaren Vale varieties into the portfolio mm-hmm. because we mm-hmm. have stuff from the Bross Valley still and from yep. Adelaide Hills. But uh, being based down there, I thought, well, let's we maybe expand that side of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. And it was actually this 2017 Uno Momento Montepulciano uh, is the first release. And vintage 2017 was quite cool uh, if you can if you can remember that sort of period early in the in that year, sort mm-hmm. of so January, February, March, April, May. Yep. And there was a little block of Shiraz just down the road from the winery that I was taking, and I was in that vineyard, and I said to the grower, I said, how are those new plantings you've got down the hill going? And there was Montepulciano and a couple of other ones. And he said, oh, they're going all right. And this was late March, and the Shiraz was nearly ready. So we wandered down. I said, let's have a look at them. So I wandered down, and I had the back of my mind that I needed new varieties mm-hmm. in the in mm-hmm. the portfolio, and we wandered through the, the Montepulciano, and it oh, it just tasted absolutely fantastic, like nice, I mean, it's a late ripening Italian variety, um, but being later in the season, it just slowly had just ripened up and mm-hmm. got lovely mm-hmm. structure and flavour. And I said, oh, mate, some lucky bugger's going to get this, and then he goes, oh, I haven't sold any of it. And so, <laughs> bang, the light bulb, if people, the, view, uh, the listeners out there, uh, there's a light bulb on the front label, and the, the, it went off in my head, and <laughs> that moment, and I said, mate, I'll take it. I'll be the lucky bugger. And we picked it two weeks later, and uh, cut a long story, oh, cut a very long story short, um, <laughs> uh, here we are. Here we are, drinking it. So, now, yeah. Did you actually ha- get to say that wonderful sentence that I've only ever said probably twice in my life when I had the buying power behind me to do it, which is, how much for the lot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, some people have a, a when they do taste it, they really enjoy it, and mm. they say, "Yeah, I'll just take, yeah, I'll, I'll have that and that, but I'll take a few bottles of the Monte yeah. as well." So mm-hmm. everyone really appreciates and really enjoys it. Is that um, and a late Italian variety, mm-hmm. uh, and for the people out there, Montepulciano unfortunately doesn't come from the region of Montepulciano in Italy. It actually comes from Abruzzo on the on the, the Adriatic coast, mm-hmm. on the eastern mm-hmm. side, central yep. eastern side. Yeah, people always get confused by that, I think. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's a bit funny over there with the yeah. regions and stuff. So, you know, it doesn't come from Montepulciano. They grow Sangiovese up there. Okay. okay. Um, so, yeah, and it comes in. It's a late ripener and all about with Italian reds. It's all about the acid and the tannin structure. And if you're sort of looking at a scale, I suppose, the sort of well, people probably arguably people 
might not agree with mm-hmm. me, but sort of Barbera, Dolcetto sort of at the bottom to a certain extent, and Sangiovese yep. down there, and then you sort of move up. Mm-hmm. And then Monty sort of in the middle, and Nebbiolo is probably the pinnacle. Like, you know, obviously, yep. Barolos and Barbarescos are very mm-hmm. structured and often need eight, ten years really before they can yep. be approachable and be enjoyed properly. Okay. Now, do you find that the McLaren Vale climate actually works really well for Italian varietals per se, or the Montepulciano in particular? Or Yeah, some of them do, um, and but Montepulciano does because obviously it is quite close to that coastal side of yeah. on the eastern side there so yeah. we are very, very mediterranean in mclaren mm-hmm. bar we have mm-hmm. warm warm days and mild nights and it's a very bulletproof region things just just stick along and they ripen slowly and and uh, we can grow just about anything down there so yeah why have you, why did you choose the name uh, uno momento because of that light bulb moment that I had when I tasted that fruit and then when John the grower said that no one had taken it it was and I had been sort of searching for a couple of years for another variety to put in the portfolio being based in McLaren Vale I thought I'd we'd probably be 60% McLaren Vale now and then the balance Bross and McLaren, uh, Adelaide Hills mm-hmm. so that light bulb went off the uno momento that one moment you yep. have in life sometimes mm-hmm. that, and that decision and and uh, I think we were just talking about it before off air um it, it can mean a lot of things, um, as you were saying, that yeah. maybe people having a glass of wine, they sit down and take that moment just to appreciate why they're having a glass of wine sitting down, just like just think, mm-hmm. review their day and just chill out and uh, just enjoy, wake up and take smell the roses and just enjoy life for a moment. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I, I sent a message to you the other day saying that um, I could see us losing an afternoon on your front porch with two bottles of this and some yes. Hamon and Manchego, but um, what would you recommend that our listeners at home would cook and eat with your um, Una Momento? Um, I'd probably similar down that path. I mean, you could go to some some charcuterie or some small goods mm-hmm, of sorts mm-hmm. with some cheese, and but it's got enough weight and structure. You could probably go oh, some casseroles, even even some heavy. I mean, you probably some oily fish, maybe. You said no. also buco. I said also buco. Yeah. Oddly enough, he said also buco, and I said sardines. Okay, so well there, there you we go. go. Yeah, so we're both right. You're doing all right yeah, here. It's, it's got enough acid to cut through the the fish, yep. and then enough flavour and texture to go to that casserole sort of stew Does sort work. of that's a bucco kind of thing so yeah it's it's a reasonably versatile variety. I mean, a lot of people say Italian reds are very food friendly <laughs> yes very much but, so yeah yeah. So do you do you buy all of your grapes in from other from suppliers uh, around South Australia, or do you grow them yourself? We grow about thirty thirty five percent of our own fruit, and the rest is all contract growers. So how do you? Oh, okay, so contract growers. So I was going to ask how you how you decide which grapes to purchase. I mean, is it just simply a matter of? Uh, it might be a, a a foolish question. Is it just a matter of going there and tasting the grapes and saying, actually, I think this could make a wonderful wine? Um, to a certain extent, I've never quite understood most that of my growers of I've been dealing with for, I mean, the first, I'm still dealing with ones from 2003, 2004. Right, okay. Um, so, so you can trust them. You trust them, and same thing. I think you've got to treat your growers with utmost respect because they're the guys who grow the raw material for you. Mm-hmm. And bottom line is if you... You can make one kind of wine out of bad grapes, but you can make two kinds of wine out of good grapes. You can make great wine or shit wine or bad you can, wine. We can say that. <laughs> um, it's all good. Sorry. We're happy with um, that. Um, so, yeah, so you got to, and if you want the the best grapes you, or your best raw, raw material you possibly can get, is uh, you just got to treat your growers with respect. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I communicate with them a lot and we all get along well. Um, so, saying that, I pretty well don't really pick up too many new vineyards even on a year to year basis. Now that you've said that, you can make great wine or shit wine. This is clearly not shit. Um, 
Can you tell us a little bit about the process of making the Monty? It's your first release. Yes. Um, and so as a first release, you don't really have a reference point for what you did last time. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah talk us through it. How did it go? Um, it was like anything. I mean, I, the beauty about winemaking is that every year is different. So it's always an exciting Exciting thing to do year in year out. So when I was out there that first meeting with uh, John out there and tasted the fruit and found out that uh, it was available, I mean that tasted great. So I was just instantly excited, and uh, then I quickly sort of scrambled back to the winery and worked out if there was any space and where we're going to pick and we're going to fit it in. Um, and it's just a matter of being out in the vineyard again and again and try and do it reasonably frequently so you can actually see the flavour profile changing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, if the acid's dropping out or the sugar's getting up too much. I mean, the numbers are important but I think bottom line is I think if there's no flavour in the fruit then yep. there's the translation into wine uh, is there going to be a little flavour as well. So you, got, you can't let the fruit get overripe mm -hmm. because you just have problems. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so uh, um, yeah, so uh, then just went out there and tasted it and uh, it was all hand-picked, came in the winery all distemmed where all the berries are taken off the little mm -hmm. baracus, little green stalky thing mm -hmm. that's yep. Uh, yep. part of the bunch. And it was on skins for uh, a, a about 28 days, I think, 24, 28 days. Mm -hmm. um, being a cooler year and the acid uh, retention in red varieties from Italy is, is good, so there was no adjustment. Mm -hmm. um, it came in about 13 and a bit Bome, so Bome roughly translates to about 1% alcohol. Uh, wild yeast fermentation, so literally this wine has had no adjustment yep. and no sulfur uh, in the early part of it and then it went through malolactic fermentation in barrel. Um, mm -hmm. After those 28 days uh, it was pressed, free run and pressings all together uh, in tank for 24 hours and off to two year old breeks for 10 months. Okay. And then uh, it, as I said before, malolactic fermentation is when the malic acid is converted to lactic acid. Yep. Uh, happened in barrel, it's racked, tidied up and then it does get a, a minimal uh, sulfur addition. And then uh, Unfiltered, unfined, bottled, and mm -hmm. then was in bottle for just over twelve months before we released it. Okay. So. so the um, the time in barrel, uh, what sort of um, we're using American oak, French oak, all French oak, all, all French, French oak, okay. all French, two year old French oak. So yep. breeks so are there two hundred and twenty five or two twenty eight, depending on which okay. shape you've yep. got. So yes, excellent. So um, yeah. So uh, now that you've given us that, that incredibly detailed explanation about how you make the wine, why the name Smidge? Uh, my parents use it a lot as I was growing up, um, and we make a small amount of wine, um, and so smidge just means just a little bit of, and uh, over the years we've grown a little bit, but not, we're still just a bit more than smidge I yeah. suppose, but we're still a smidge, so yeah, that's it, easy to remember, short word, I'm vertically challenged. Quality. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say quality, uh, not necessarily quantity. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is yes, quality. as well. It, we... it, is smidge an Australian collo colloquialism that you're no, not necessarily No, no, I know what smidge means. Smidge okay. means is a, a small amount, a, a tiny bit. Yeah, we have a wine out of the Barossa Valley called Smitch, S-M-I-T-C-H, uh -huh. which is the, I think it's the Celtic origins of the word smidge. Okay. So it sort of loosely started over mm -hmm. in the UK. Okay. And then obviously got changed into yeah. smidge and then uh, came over to Australia and... Yeah. So where can people actually find your wine? Um, we do have a, a tasting room down in McLaren Vale, which we're open every second weekend of the month and, and by appointment. So people can log on to the website or Instagram or something and find my mm -hmm. number and ring me. Um, there's mainly restaurants in Adelaide, but probably the best is directly from us. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there's no particular bottle shop presence yet? or uh, it, it goes in, in waves. Some okay. wines... As, um, 
are at various bottle shops. There's a couple of celebrations. I think one down at Brighton, um, Eastern Cellars. And, mm-hmm. uh, no, no, not Eastern. Um, Melbourne Street Cellars. Sorry, mm-hmm. has bits and pieces. Um, Edinburgh Cellars had bits and pieces yep. in the past. So, um, if you go to your your local Mm-hmm. Quality bottle shop. I'm yep. sure you can ask, and there's uh, my distribu- they can get t- touch with my distributor, and they can they might be able to get it in for you. Yeah, if That's not, it. yeah, just go directly. But to if us. not, just mm-hmm. visit you. Visit now, us. one of the more important questions, not necessarily for for us, because um, well, we've 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 hit you up for some, but um, for those out there that are wanting to purchase some of the uh, Montepulciano, what sort of dollars would they be letting go of for a bottle of it? Um, about thirty-five bucks. About thirty-five bucks. Yeah, cool. That, that's eminently accessible. Bargain. Yeah. Bargain at that price. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely great wine. Well, Matt, look, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been Pleasure. absolutely wonderful having you here. Um, it's been great catching up again. Finally, yes. after all these years, um, I feel like we definitely need to lose that afternoon with that hamon in the immediate future. Yes. But um, I don't know about you, Nick, but I feel again like. The last interview we did, smarter for yeah. having spoken to somebody that actually knows what they're talking about and explains the winemaking process in yeah. detail. Yeah, yeah. It's things well, I don't know. It, well, thank absolutely. you, thank you, Nick and Nick, for having me. It's been no, a pleasure. It's our pleasure. And until next time, cheers. Cheers. Who Nick My Wine was brought to you by the Second Street Chili Company and N Plus One and Associates with theme music courtesy of Hannah Fairlam. Special thanks must always go to the Doctor of the Dials, the Master of Bass, the Fifth Beetle himself. We'd call him Nick too if he'd let us. That's Tim Allen in the booth for Podcast Central. Our guest tonight was Matt Wenk from Smidge Wines and that Una Momento Montepulciano was absolutely delicious. So we must thank Matt as much as possible. I'm looking forward to drinking more of that with some of that ham on. Yeah, me too, mate. Um, we're on Twitter at Who Nicked My Wine is our handle. Mm. Uh, we're on Instagram, Who Nicked My Wine. We've got about 300 followers, something along those lines. Pretty crazy. That's, that's been yeah. mental. People are listening. People are listening and following us. And yeah. I'm taking lovely photographs, so that helps. Well, that does help. We have a Facebook page we've had for a little while now. We have, uh, it's at, at who Nicked My Wine. If you just type in Who Nicked My Wine, you'll find us. And it will help us reach new listeners if you rate us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can rate us and give mm-hmm. us a star rating or say something lovely. It'll help us find new listeners. Absolutely. So from all of us here at Podcast Central and Who Nicked My Wine, we urge you to enjoy alcohol in moderation. And until next time, happy drinking. Cheers. Cheers.